Whitehall Glens Falls. It's 8 o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Wednesday, January 24th. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. Lowville, Alexandria Bay, and Canton are receiving millions from the state to revamp their downtowns. Governor Hochul made the announcement on a stop in Lake Placid to push for more funding to upgrade Olympic facilities. If you don't put money in, they won't be worth going to. We will not be able to attract world-class events and sporting events and attract people from all over. We have to make those investments. St. Lawrence County is encouraging companies and local governments to use a new online solar development mapping tool. It shows where the county prefers solar development to take place that isn't on the highest quality farmland. A lot of times the conversation becomes that it's an either-or question of, like, we either need solar development to combat climate change, or on the other side, it's like we need to preserve our farmland for future generations. And this tool is trying to say that it's not an either-or kind of situation. And we'll meet the collage artist in Lake George addressing the pros and cons of nanotechnology and genetic modification. I am very much a visual artist in what, you know, in old school terms we call a formalist. Where I want people to look at things and and just have a certain sort of visual wow. All of that's coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Mountain Orthotic and Prosthetic Services, a full-service practice committed to providing care for patients of all ages with offices in Lake Placid, Plattsburgh, and Malone. Details and referrals at mountainonp.com. And by Blue Seed Studios, a multidisciplinary art center featuring classes for adults and youth, concerts, art exhibits, and more. BLUseedstudios.org. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. Three North Country communities will get millions of dollars from the state this year. That was one of the announcements made by Governor Hochul during her visit to the Adirondacks yesterday. Hochul also laid out details of her proposed state budget. Emily Russell reports. Dozens of people packed into the Olympic sports complex at Mount Van Hovenberg in Lake Placid on Tuesday. One woman in the crowd still had her ski boots on. Ashley Walden, who's the new head of the Olympic Regional Development Authority, stepped on stage to get the event started. We are thrilled to host you on this exciting day, and it is my incredible honor to introduce your governor of the great state of New York, Kathy Hochul. Folks got up out of their seats and gave the governor a standing ovation. Good morning. It's great to be back in winter wonderland. Love coming here all year round, but this is a spectacular time. And uh, I said, Hochul was in Lake Placid to promote her budget. She's proposing that the state spend $233 billion next year. The details of that budget will get debated and reworked by state lawmakers in the coming months. One item that will most likely make it in is funding for the Olympic Regional Development Authority. The state has pumped more than $550 million into order facilities in recent years. That's paid for some major renovations at the ski jumps and hockey rinks, as well as new construction, like the building hosting this event. Hochul wants to send another $82 million to Orda next year to keep these facilities up to date. They will deteriorate. If you don't put money in, 
they won't be worth going to. We will not be able to attract world-class events and sporting events and attract people from all over. We have to make those investments. And so This Olympic facility hosted a major national ski race just last weekend. The nearby Olympic ski jumps are hosting a World Cup in early February, and there will be a bobsled World Cup event here in March. Another budget item that will likely be a shoe-in is for the state's downtown revitalization initiative. For years, New York has awarded $10 million grants to communities across the state. On Tuesday, Hochul revealed this region's latest winner. So today, we're very, very, very proud to announce the winners for the North Country competition, our seventh round, and I have it again in my budget for next year, that Lowville will receive the $10 million DRI funding to transform the same Hochul also announced that the communities of Alexandria Bay and Canton will each get $4.5 million to invest in their downtowns. That's funding from the New York Forward Program. Another big item in Hochul's proposed budget is for housing. She wants to make $650 million available to communities committed to building new housing. Hoko highlighted a few of those places in the North Country that would qualify for that funding. North Elba, the village of Lowville, town of Plattsburgh, town of Canton, village of Canton, Chesterfields, Newcomb, North Hudson, and Willsboro. Those are the leaders. Those are the ones who say, we get it. We care about our... Hochul's ambitious plan to build more affordable housing across New York failed to make it into last year's budget. Rocky Aguirre, the executive director of the Adirondack Council, applauded the governor's continued push. Governor's always been pro-housing. It's an essential need. We, even the environmental advocates see that as an essential need. Finding the right balance is going to be the critical piece. Specifically, Aguirre said, the balance between conserving the environment and building affordable workforce housing. There are a few key things that Hochul didn't include in her proposed budget that Aguirre wants to see put back in. Those include funding to continue to survey the climate and lake ecosystems in the Adirondacks, as well as money for the Timbuktu Summer Climate and Careers Institute. That program has brought students of color up from New York City to get training and education in the Adirondacks. Aguirre sees the program playing a critical role in the park's future. You can't announce, you know, investments in climate and not see that as a program that invests in the young people who are essentially going to be the future of climate and climate um, resiliency work up here. Another budget item Aguirre and other Adirondack leaders want to see restored is for the Adirondack Diversity Initiative. Hochul's budget proposed a 30% funding cut for the ADI. Lawmakers have until April 1st to iron out and pass a state budget for next year. Emily Russell, North Country Public Radio, Lake Placid. A man was convicted of second-degree murder yesterday after shooting and killing a woman in his driveway in Washington County last spring. 20-year-old Kaylin Gillis and her friends pulled into Kevin Monahan's driveway while trying to find another house last April. Authorities say Monahan came out to his porch and fired twice from his shotgun with the second shot hit, uh, with the second shot hitting Gillis in the neck. Monahan maintains it was an accident involving a defective gun. 
Essex County's district attorney is running to be the county's next judge. The Plattsburgh Press Republican reports Christy Sprague wants to replace the current judge, Richard Mayer. Mayer reaches the mandatory retirement age of 70 this year. Sprague was elected district attorney in 2009. She's running as the Republican challenger to Amy Quinn. Quinn is a Lake Placid Democrat who serves as the principal court attorney under Judge Mayer. The term for a county judge is 10 years. The role handles surrogate, family, and county courts. If either Sprague or Quinn win, it will be the first time a woman would hold the seat. You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio, eight minutes past eight. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up, music and conversation with collage artist Nathan Meltz. His exhibit, The Utopia Machine, opens today at the Courthouse Gallery in Lake George. It's coming up in just a few minutes here on Northern Light. Music by Lucas Garrett out of Glens Falls. Northern Light is supported by North Country Children's Museum, Potsdam, with hands-on and minds-on exhibits and programs for children 12 and under and their families. Open Wednesday to Sunday... 10 to 5, northcountrychildrensmuseum.org. And by Fort Dela Presentation, presenting the, the reenactment of the Battle of Ogdensburg, February 17th and 18th at 1.30 p.m., open to the public. Details at fort1749.org. New York State is under intense pressure to get more electricity from renewable sources. That means it's looking for land all over the state for solar projects, and a lot of that land is farmland. Some people in the North Country agriculture are concerned developers or could take uh, uh, could take big bites out of the region's highest quality farmland. Catherine Wheeler reports officials in St. Lawrence County are encouraging developers to use a new online tool to think about where the project should go. St. Lawrence County's land is what makes the region attractive to solar developers. It's cheap and often cleared of trees for farming. Plus, there's capacity to connect with substations. But the county wants to make sure that developers and local governments are thinking about how to best use the land. Samuel Joseph works in the planning office. I think a lot of times the conversation becomes that it's an either-or question of, like, we either need solar development to combat climate change Or on the other side, it's like we need to preserve our farmland for future generations. And this tool is trying to say that it's not an either-or kind of situation. Joseph says what matters is keeping the best farmland available for agriculture and just being more strategic about where solar can be developed. 
That's why the county's planning office created the Solar Development Mapping Tool. It uses data from different government agencies to plot out each parcel of land in the county. And when they put it together, the planners layered in the places where solar development wouldn't be allowed, like protected forests and wetlands. We then took out the prime uh, soils of the county, so that the best farmland, and then basically I just kept erasing all those things and what was left that's within five miles of a substation was designated as these areas that we're calling suitable for solar development. Joseph says the map identifies at least 17,000 acres across the county that are preferred for solar. No one is required to use the tool as part of an application for solar development. Joseph says it's mostly for developers to look at when they're thinking of proposing a project and for town and village planning boards when applications come in. He says it could save time during the approval process. If they go through and identify these parcels that are are good for development before it even gets to that that stage, they can save themselves a lot of time and money and then potential being denied by the planning board. At a recent meeting, county legislators said they want to get this tool out there so the developers know what's preferred. And while they can't tell landowners how to use their property, they also discussed if there are ways to incentivize these companies to not develop on prime farmland. Catherine Wheeler, North Country Public Radio. Supporters of a measure to combat climate change in New York say they're encouraged that Governor Hochul put elements of the bill in her state budget proposal. Karen DeWitt reports. The bill is known as the New York Heat Act that stands for Home Energy Affordable Transition. It would, among other things, discourage natural gas hookups to new homes by eliminating a practice known as the 100-foot rule. Utility ratepayers currently shoulder the cost of the gas pipelines if the new construction is located less than 100 feet from the gas line. Advocates say that amounts to a $200 million subsidy per year for the gas companies. It would also also cap energy bills for low- and middle-income New Yorkers to 6% of their total income. Governor Hochul, for the first time, included the elimination of the 100-foot rule in her state budget proposal. She also backs changes that would make it easier for the utilities to convert entire neighborhoods from reliance on fossil fuels to clean energy sources like wind and solar power and geothermal energy. Hochul spoke about the urgency of reducing greenhouse gas emissions during her budget presentation, saying it's personally important to her. As a mom, as a grandma, we all have to be focused on the future that we're leaving for our children. We are so proudly saying that we are the most ambitious in the nation with our goals. We've committed to take decisive action, the legislature, this administration. We have to do it to meet the scale and the urgency of the climate crisis all while growing our economy and protecting our consumers. At a rally at the Capitol on Tuesday, supporters, including Assemblywoman Patricia Fahey, expressed relief. It was a major breakthrough. We have not seen this for two years, and it really elevates the entire conversation. Fahey and other advocates say the changes would help New York meet its goals to reduce reliance on fossil fuels to net zero by 2050, as directed in the 2019 Climate Act. The gas industry does not support the measure, and some major unions are also against it. There's also been blowback among some members of the public and some Republican lawmakers over the limitations on natural gas access. The measure does not ban the use of natural gas. 
But a separate provision in the state's Climate Change Act would end the installation of gas stoves and other gas-fired appliances in some new construction beginning in 2026. Critics also say that all electric-generated heat is more expensive than gas-fueled heating and cooling. Fahey says the transition to wind, solar, and geothermal energy is initially costly. But speaking in a noisy hallway of the Capitol after the rally, she says after that initial equipment is installed, the energy would be largely cost-free. But in the end, if your renewable energy is free, it's just the transmission costs or the investments to upgrade. Like I know people already who already have solar and have uh, geothermal. They actually are giving energy back to the utility companies who by law have to buy back from the ratepayers excess energy that is produced, known as net metering. Hochul did not include in her budget the Heat Act's provision for a cap on utility bills for lower-income New Yorkers. Fahey and other backers say they are amending a bill to try to get that approved as a standalone measure. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt for the New York Public News Network. You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. In just a minute, we'll have a preview of the new exhibit in Lake George. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note, the snarling catfight-like sounds of the tricolored blackbird. That's just ahead at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us. We have a winter weather advisory uh, that is in effect for the next couple of days for all of the North Country and Vermont. And uh, the Weather Service says we're going to see a mix of snow and freezing rain. Could make uh, uh, driving today, tonight, and the morning commute tomorrow difficult. Uh, let's go to the Weather Service. Again, could see a few inches of snow accumulation by tomorrow afternoon. And we have some schools schools that are closed today because of the weather. Snow days at Edwards Knox, Indian River, and Ticonderoga Central Schools. Uh, Indian River and Ticonderoga were on two-hour delays. They're now closed for the day. So Edwards Knox, Indian River, Ticonderoga schools closed. Madrid Waddington is going to be uh, releasing their, dismissing their students early today, elementary uh, at 12.30, high school at 11.30, and there's no pre-K, no afternoon pre-K or BOCES at Madrid Waddington Central School. And these schools are on two-hour delays. Beaver River, Belleville, Henderson, Bolton, Carthage, Copenhagen, Crown Point, General Brown, Governor, Indian Lake, Johnsburg, Lake George, Lake Pleasant, Lowell Academy, Sackets Harbor, South Jefferson, South Lewis, and Warrensburg Central School. Again, a winter weather advisory in effect uh, through tomorrow. All of North Country and Vermont with freezing rain and snow. The robot takeover is inevitable, but Nathan Meltz thinks we can survive it. Meltz is a screen printer and collage artist based in the Capital Region. All of his art deals with the long-term impacts of technology on our lives. It's featured in a new exhibit opening today at the Lake George Arts Project called The Utopia Machine. I caught up with Meltz over the phone as he was rearranging pieces there in the courthouse gallery. 
How's the installation going so far? So far, so good. I'm kind of putting the finishing touches on a paper installation that takes up about a quarter of the gallery. Now, is that is that your piece, Crystal City installation, or, or what, what piece is no, that? No, um, it's titled Golem, and in particular, it's uh, one large figurative form made up of all these tiny, well, not tiny, but relatively smaller printed components of another little figure um, with all of sort of a repeated color scheme that's created through a uh, tessellation, basically. So it's uh, kind of in a way designed as a puzzle piece. Um, so it's great. You can ship it out to places in a small box, but a piece the size of a pizza box, but it can become about, you know, a 10 foot by 10 foot or larger installation um, that creates this sort of monstrous size figurative fair character it's in in this space it's as tall as the gallery which is maybe like a 10 foot tall ceiling the courthouse gallery is kind of a quirky space with a hearth and windows and melts is making the most out of that and installing the small paper figures to wrap around the window coves and mantle of the fireplace this piece is big and loud, magenta, lavender, and yellow. Each small paper figure is printed with thick lines and images of screws and bolts. I am very much a visual artist in what, you know, in old school terms we call a formalist. Where I want people to look at things and, and just have a certain sort of visual wow. He's inspired by leftist screen printing from the mid-1900s, the anti-fascist posters of John Hertfeld, the cartoonish covers of the Marxist magazine New Masses, and the bright 1960s prints about love and joy by sister Corita Kent. Keeping in that tradition, he wants the initial wow of his pieces to rope people in to decode the imagery. <laughs> why, are, why does this... A uh, robot chicken have a spacesuit on. Why is this whale traveling through space? Why does this robot pig have a breathing apparatus and sitting on a spaceship? The piece we were talking about at the beginning, Golem, is based on the Jewish mythical creature of the same name. He uses it a lot. And the story goes that a rabbi in 15th century Prague created this helper, the Golem, out of clay to protect the Jews against pogroms and persecution. He says the Golem was the original automaton. Who would the golem, what would the golem be doing now if it existed? Who would it be if this is this robot of protection? Who needs protection right now? And then outside of the narrative, what can we do to protect the people who need it most right now? All of his work, whether it's about oppression or warfare or agriculture, is all through the lens of technology, how it's both destructive and offers a path forward. He collages images of mechanical parts to make humanoids and robot animals to tell these stories. So I'm looking around the gallery. There is a spore cannon, which is a really silly piece. And it's very, it's really colorful with a lot of magenta and greens and this giant mechanical collage of this cannon shooting these spores off into space and little automaton robots carrying loads of spores to get shot off into this to this conveyor belt system you can see an earth in the distance it's sort of like a spacescape and it's all really textured uh because it's you know there's some elements that are digital and there's like digital collage and some of it is some of it is based on hand collage and some there's this little speckling texture that i create by blowing uh basically what's called a screen filler through a ceramic atomizer just to create like a very handmade airbrush effect uh, and there's a lot of painterly effects. So there's like dripping paint and spider paint, the collage and color and robots and story. 
And that's that piece. Yeah, it's out there. Spore Cannon is one of many pieces in the show about climate change. He worries humans will have to help fungi and animals and plants escape into outer space in order to survive. It's a silly concept because I'm hoping that people will realize, oh, it's, we really need to do something. We really need to help change our world so we don't have to flee uh, in over uh, a burning climate change world. We're listening to original sound now from his short film, The Chicken Coup. In it, he uses collage to depict robot chickens dreaming of life outside their cages and slowly going crazy and eating their own eggs. His work is part nightmare, part silly, part cautionary, but ultimately hopeful. That video ends with an extended shot of real chickens roaming freely in a meadow. Melt says he resonates with Nina Simone's assertion that the artist's responsibility is to reflect the times and respond. You know, I'm trying to tell stories, whether they're playful, silly, or doomy, gloomy, but about ways to show us a path for something better. The ways to protect people, the ways to share resources, the ways to battle inequities, whether it's fascism or capitalism or colonialism. So I I don't, some people could view these as uh, depressing tales. I view them as a way forward in reimagining better world. The difference between a dystopian and a utopian, he says, is that the utopian is an optimist. Nathan Meltz's exhibit, The Utopia Machine, opens today at the Courthouse Gallery at the Lake George Arts Project. Monica Sandresky, North Country Public Radio. Meltz also dabbles in music with his group Nathan Meltz and the House of Tomorrow. So we'll go out with music from their 2023 album, Tales of Failed Utopias. This is their song, Time Machine.
Nathan Meltz and the House of Tomorrow Time Machine. Coming up on 28 minutes past 8, this is Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. Friday morning, we're going to check in with the duo Archi. We're media sponsor for two live performances of the duo, an award-winning electroacoustic violin and cello duo. They're performing Saturday night at Lake Flower, landing in Saranac Lake, and then Sunday afternoon at the Saranac Fire Hall, presented by Hill & Hollow Music. For ticket information, check our website, ncpr.org slash calendar. And don't forget to check out the concert series, the Black River Valley Concert Series, uh, coming up this weekend at the Lewis County Historical Society. The group Bear Tracks, their first show of 2024, and they will be raring to go and hope to see you there. You can find out more at lewiscountyhistory.org. We're getting snow, and so you can stop by Potsdam's annual snowman competition on Saturday morning at Ives Park. Always a lot of fun. Frosty Fest. Stop by and build a snow person or a creature starting at 11 o'clock in the morning. Free hot chocolate and cookies. That's the best part. And uh, a winter story walk. And for more information about Frosty Fest in Ives Park and Potsdam, you can check our website, ncpr.org slash calendar. That's it for Northern Light on this Wednesday morning, the 24th of January. Morning Edition continues in just a minute. Then join us later this morning for a conversation with uh, New York Times bestselling author Alex L. She and Jen White will talk about what it really means to heal ourselves. Plus, we'll hear reaction from the results from New Hampshire. That's coming up on 1A between 10 and noon right here on North Country Public Radio. If you miss an episode of Northern Light, never fear. You can always listen back to the archive any place you get your podcasts while there. Subscribe to our daily news roundup, story of the day, our storytelling podcast, The Howl, our magazine-style show, Northwards with Mitch Tyke, or our most recent investigative podcast, If All Else Fails. You can find those any place you get your podcasts. I'm Monica Sandresky. I'm Todd Moe. Until tomorrow, be well.